Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What's going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Thanks for checking us out. We are on five days a week now. If you haven't been paying attention, now you know, and hopefully you're enjoying it. And a few weeks probably I would guess we're gonna have some video elements where you can watch us every single day so make sure you pay attention to that one we have a big show for you uh for you guys today we're gonna get some British Open recap as Tigers on yep. the course right now as we're doing the course uh we've also got a little Rob Manford versus Mike Trout that's been interesting to see that develop uh but yesterday I taught you a little term about the uh about the industry yeah I was talking about the bed the music underneath, sure. right and we yeah. learned something about Two that. days ago yeah which is still going on if you're wondering why you hear music underneath uh, today, I'm going to blow up the rundown. Do you know what that means? Blow up the rundown? Taking the rundown. This Scrap is everything that? we're going to talk about. I'm, I'm throwing oh, that out the window uh-oh. right there. I'm throwing that out the yeah, window. Yeah, your coffee already this morning, because, didn't you? Exactly. I am ready to go because there was a topic that our producer, Debo, didn't have in there. Right. And it's something I think is worthy of discussion. Now, he's a little nervous because he doesn't want to get fired. Right. So I think I know where you're going. If anybody has a problem with this, come speak to me. Okay? <laughs> so... There was a story that crossed the line yesterday, and I saw it starting to trend on Twitter. And basically, it involves an NFL franchise quarterback. And I'm, let's just get it out there. All right, so Jimmy Garoppolo signs a $147 million contract with San, San Francisco 49ers after playing just five games for them last right. season. I thought that was a little bit risky. I was like, oh, you know what, man? Let's let him see how he plays out. Let's see how he does a little bit longer. So, that's my thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Then it comes out, TMZ, who gets everything. Like, if you think you're a player and you're getting away with anything, <laughs> you must be really dumb. Goes out on a date. Right. With a, I was going to say young lady, but she's actually 41 years old. Okay. He went out with an adult film star. So oh. We'll keep the language straight enough. Okay. And uh, her name is Kiera Mia. She is 41 years old. And he went to, took her to a lovely restaurant, Avra, in Beverly Hills. What are you thinking, Jimmy G? I cannot believe you have got to be. It says franchise quarterback. Right. You have to be aware of optics, how everything looks. It's it's similar to being a politician. You have to know what answers to give, when to say things, when not to say things. And most importantly, you can't be doing this in your first offseason with the team before you've even been there for longer than a year. Doing, doing what? Going on a date? Yes. Wait, With an adult go, film star. No, he can't. What does it matter? It's a different, and it's not, if it was a wide receiver, if it was a defensive back, if it was a linebacker, wouldn't matter. You are the face of the franchise. Yeah, I still don't see how those two things have anything to do with each other. Like, he, he's not a married man. She's not a married woman. Um, she performs like, uh, like I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess... Some people may not love the fact that she does adult films, but like an actress is fine for him to go out with. Yes, like an actress would be fine for him I to go like out with. I feel like we're passing judgment purely on what the young lady does for a we living. Are. We like, absolutely are. I, like as long as that's consenting and they're going out, like it's not like he's out there on a balcony, like getting busy with an adult porn star. True. Like he's or an adult film star. He 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 was going to dinner. I don't like. I understand, and we get into this all the time. And you were a quarterback, so you know better than me. But it bothers me. I don't know that it like it's right or wrong, but it really bothers me 
that those guys can't go out there and live their life like everybody else, provided they're not breaking the law or, you know, doing things. There are some things that you could do at that position where judgment, I would be like, Jesus, bro, that's bad look. Right. But just going out to dinner with a young lady who happens to be an adult film star, like, I don't got no beef with that. I would say this. I think if John Lynch, general manager, Kyle Shanahan, I guarantee you, if it was a date with, you know, whoever, it's just some beautiful girl or yeah. an actress even. Okay. I don't think they would care, but I think they will care about this. I think they'll I think they'll call Jimmy G, say, what's going on? What's the status here? What's the relationship? What are you guys, is she a friend? Are you guys dating? Like, is this gonna, I, I think they are that interested. Here's my, here's my- Bro, concern. that is so invasive. I would tell them, listen, bro, <laughs> you could take my, you could take my and scrap it. Like, if you need to know who I'm dating and what's going on in my personal life, look, read it on TMZ like everybody else. <laughs> I blew up the rundown. I didn't say we could blow up the rules of what we can and can't say. Here's my thing. As playing quarterback in the NFL is the hardest job in all of sports. Right. The hardest job. Why make it tougher and open yourself up to criticism to outside influence? Like, if he, let's say he throws three interceptions the first game. Because he was with an adult film star. No, but that's what people will say. And writers will put, write that. It's going to make it harder on you from if you do this. And I think that's that's just if you're okay with that and you're like, I'm willing to make the risk. Because I guarantee you, like, Joe Namath was a ladies' man. Like, that's right. played it up to that. Won a Super Bowl, it's all good. We call him Broadway Joe. If you don't, if you don't have that success, then they're going to start saying, oh, he's got a problem. He's not focused. All these types of things. So I think that would be my just my warning side, my warning no, message. And I get it. I get I Like, I... Like, I mean, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I guess I'm, my thing is like, what is, like, is he supposed to not live his life because he just signed this deal with the 49ers? Like, that shouldn't handcuff and shackle him into a certain, like, stereotypical personality type that he's got to have. Like, it should, like, you make, I don't know, how many, how much money did he make? He's making 40 some million dollars this year. 147. Like, listen, bro, I, if you give me that kind of money, like, I'm not getting more conservative. I promise you that. <laughs> Like you know what I mean? It's not. I'm not. The, the, the wheels aren't going to fall off the cart. I'm not going to lose my mind, but I'm certainly going to live my life a little bit. I wouldn't be worried about the phone call from Shannon or Lynch. I'd be worried about the phone call from Mom. From Mom Dukes, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right, hey, you know, that's on? a that's a different call. All right, I think we had this discussion and we we didn't get any trouble. All right, let's move on. The British Open teased it a little bit. Yeah. Our boy Tiger woke up this morning, watched him play a couple holes, part the first hole, then a little bit of a rough stretch, bogey, bogey. Then he goes birdie, birdie. So he's back to even for today. One under on the tournament, so obviously we're all we're dialed in to watching him. We're rooting for him. Uh, do you like how does I just finished reading his book? Right, it's an unbelievable read. It was Armin Contain's book. It's the latest autobiography on him, and I think we forget sometimes how great he was when he was winning a third every third tournament he was winning, and it's crazy to think. And I, of course, we all were alive and we watched it play out, but I think this has been one of the biggest falls in all of sports when you see the struggles that he's had to deal with he's lost his image you know we we're just talking about Jimmy, yeah. you know with the getting caught with his indiscretions like all of it i think makes him even more compelling to watch now than it ever has been because we don't know what we're gonna get yeah i think he like for a while the beauty of tiger and i think the, the reason why he was it, he was in his own mind i don't think he was human do you know what i mean like i yes. think he viewed himself as as some sort of demigod right yeah. like the, he was and 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 that like he projected that people were afraid of that when they got on the the, the course i mean there are people that were fully capable with skill sets i mean he was ridiculous but you could beat a golfer on any given day but there were guys that were just so afraid to play against him they viewed him as this demigod and so that fall from grace i thought like he had some physical issues there were back issues there was stuff going on with that but more than anything, it was it was up here. It was between his own ears where, where things just kind of went sideways and he wasn't re 
able to re kind of capture that. And that's why it's so compelling to watch him now because like for the rest of us, he's human. Like yes. you get to see this human element and a guy struggle. Uh, there's some vulnerabilities. You've seen him change on the course. You know, he used to be a guy stoic walking around, just basically an F you to everybody, like yeah. peacocking around the golf course. Yep. Now he's out there, he's like laughing, he's joking. Like you could tell he wants to be buddies with the guys a little right. bit more. There's a need for that. Um, and so that's what I like. I find myself like pulling for him totally. again because I want to see this guy, This you know, I want to see the human side of it. Like I want to see him recapture something and, and there's a void in him right now. You can see it. He needs something. I want to see him get it. Me too. I'm with you. Speaking of the mental aspect. So he was a guy who was raised uh, by his dad, Earl, you know, who passed away, meant so much to him. His yeah. Mom. They raised him with that mindset of you are the best. You are here to do something special. I mean, I'm talking his dad told him he was the chosen one. They brainwashed him. Yeah, absolutely. So that's all he heard. Then he has the success on the course. And here's how I kind of have told people about this. I I experienced a minor level of fame, right? We were both professional athletes. When you go out, when you walk places, you might be at the mall, you might be at the grocery store, you might be in the movie theater. You can hear people like they don't think they can, that you can hear them. Right. They'll whisper like, hey, I, I, he's bigger in person. Or, you know, hey, I, I didn't realize that's, you know, that's what he looked sure. like or whatever. So I would imagine those whispers for Tiger for the first 10, 15 years of his career were, whoa, like he's unbelievable. That guy, right? Look out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all that positive messaging that he's getting and he's hearing all the time at tournaments, you're the best, Tiger, you're the goat, you're the greatest. All of a sudden, it's, man, he looks he looks different. Like he doesn't like seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, he's yeah, living. Yeah. He's yeah. 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 Or you know, they, he hears that. So all that negative reinforcement, I think, is a big part of the problem. I'm with you. Although I do think he finally does look healthy, but his health still is an issue when he goes out there and he has the what's the KT tape? What's the, uh, the yeah, tape, like special the, yeah, tape like, coming up on his neck, which I, it looked like it was coming off. You know, how to strike. I need that some of that. <laughs> I'm saying that's like 40, dude. Like I wake up every other morning and I slept wrong. I need some some physio tape on my neck. Do you think that's anything more than just Advil? Like it's not. Does it do anything? I have no idea. I don't know if it does anything. I'll tell you what it does. It's another fat check in his bank account with that KT, that (laughs) K1 poking out from under the Nike. It absolutely better. uh, Better do it. So so obviously we're rooting for him. Hope he comes back. It'll be interesting to see if he can get over that hurdle. It was nasty out there this morning too. Yeah. Like which which was shocking on the first day that it was so sunny. It was right because that's not normally what you get does that get worse like does that weather like typically in in the open like they go out is there any advantage for playing in the morning on a day like today like do those do the gusts and the gales so start coming in this afternoon so and yesterday although it looked perfect the right scores were lower in the morning because it was calmer and then the wind started to pick up ah. and so tiger actually played really well for the afternoon group i think he had the third best score in the afternoon group okay which was great but it is there very much is a hit or miss like it could be like it's just kind of spitting a little bit this morning. Yeah, it could get windier and nastier, and they don't really stop. So you absolutely there is kind of a crapshoot element of what type of weather conditions you get. Speaking of mental issues with golfers, Jordan Spieth yeah. is uh, a young guy who was one of these guys who was pegged as possibly carrying the torch, taking it over from Tiger. Although no one is ever going to take the torch from what Tiger was at one point in his career. Uh, he goes out yesterday, missed the cut at the U.S. Open. Uh, his last uh, tournament that he won was last year's British Open, which by anybody else's standards would be like, oh, it's not bad. Like right. a young golfer, he's only 25 years old. But with his trajectory, where he was scheduled, and where he was starting to look like he was headed, it's been a little bit of a, a slowdown, right? Uh, so yesterday he struggled a little bit and fell apart the last uh, – after he was three under par going into the 15th hole. Then he doubled 15, bogeyed on, uh, bogeyed two of the next three holes to finish one over. So he kind of fell apart a little bit. His quote after the round 
was the problem was on the second shot. I should have had an, I should have hit enough club to reach the front of the green. And even if it goes 20 yards over the green, it's an easy up and down. I just had a brain fart and I missed it into the location where only pot bunker where I could actually get in trouble and it plugged deep into it. It was a really poor, poor decision on my, uh, on the second shot and that cost me. I think like Jordan is having a little bit of the, the mental doubt starting to creep in with him a little bit. And it is a game where you have to be confident you have to be sure of yourself and the minute doubt creeps in you're done yeah I, th- I think with some of these young guys now they hit the scene you don't know any better and you're yes. electrifying like you catch everybody kind of by surprise um and you're on top of the world like obviously right like you're like i'm dope man this is this is what the pga is about i'm gonna handle this like this will be my career and i think you saw it with rory um you, you're certainly seeing it dustin uh, johnson dustin jo- like and so you just think hey that's the level that i'm gonna play at you know all the time and and to some degree you don't have anything to compare it to because that's your pro experience and then once you experience you know one slip up at the masters and you don't win it mm-hmm. right and then you then you this have cut at the u.s open cut at the u.s open yeah. and those doubts like you know, your average person playing at LA Fitness for basketball, let's right. say, you, they have no idea. They think that basketball or sport is just, hey, let's go out there and run around and then, you know, it's physical. Dude, it's like 25% physical. It's like 75% mental. You, you have Maybe to more. be- You have to be the toughest mental nut uh, to be able to go out there and perform on that level, on that stage against your peers, guys that are just as good as you. Um, and when that starts, when there's like the little crack in that foundation, um, you, you wind up going through like sophomore slumps and, and yes. that's what I would say like Jordan is he'll figure it out. Like he's a good enough golfer. He's tough, but right now he's a little uncertain as to whether or not like he can at times. And that's just enough to let everybody else pass you up on a leaderboard. We did a little shoot here with CBS sports HQ for work day. It was a sponsored thing. Went up, got to do a video shoot with Davis love the third. Right. So I got to talk to him for a few hours and I'm telling you, he talked about his therapist, his psychiatrist, Bob Rotella, yeah. who's a golf coach. Like He's a mental golf coach, works with a ton of guys on tour. He talked to him about more than anything else, more than swing technique. He referenced, hey, well, my, my psychologist said this. He, you know, he referenced this. My caddy, you know, what the caddy's role is. The caddies right. are more psychologists They're on the course. They're just support than staff, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, the mental aspect. So, we'll see. If so, you- I used to have, like, I get into these. I never worked with one. Did you ever work with no, one? No, I did not. I used to get into these slumps. Well, they sent me to one when I was at Boston <laughs> University. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really work with him. I didn't love him, but they made me go for a minute. I, but when I got into the pros, I was um, – you know, every shooter goes into a slum. That's why, you know, you shoot 40% when you're a good three-point shooter. You ain't going to make them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get into these slumps, and I'd be down. And and I had a coach. His name was Gordon Chiesa, right? And this was early before I met Mike D'Antoni and, and their kind of empowering message, right? And most coaches would just kind of let you be in that slump, you know? And I'd be down, and, you know, I couldn't figure out how to get out of the slump. I'd be pressing. And Gordy would come around, and he'd bring me, like, a tape. And he'd sit with me. He'd bring me a, a DVD, and he'd sit with me. And it'd be, like, all my makes, like all of the makes that I had had good makes. And he'd just be talking over these makes in this positive way. Like, look at this one, man. Man, you really got a nice arc on that. Raj, look at that. Look at your balance. Your balance is really good on that. Look how you stepped into this. And it was like, I didn't know what was happening to me, but he was just like programming me with these positive messages. And then like, he'd let me go two, three games. He didn't do it all the time. But after I'd be like four games in and he knew I needed it, he'd come to me, he'd drop this DVD on me, we'd watch it together, and it would just clear my head. It would get me back in a positive like state of mind, and I could go out there, nothing physical, no mechanical change or anything, just clearly like or purely putting positive vibes in my mind and showing me 
uh, some of my positive experiences, and it would click me out of it. I don't know if you remember, we were talking about John Carlos Stanton earlier in the season with the Yankees. Yeah. He was having these five strikeout games at a clip. It was like, oh my gosh, is he going to get out of this slump? And we both said, go watch some home runs. Go yep. watch your bombs. Go back to the Marlins tape and watch it. I vividly recall Dan Reeves was the head coach of the New York Giants my rookie year, and he came in with a video clip, and he's like, hey, I want you guys to break this down. And it was the exact opposite. He, ca- he called them traps. I had no idea what he was talking about. He's like, right. why don't you watch that, the video of all the traps and, and, let's, and let's figure out what's going on. And it was all the sacks that the quarterbacks had taken. And right. All these bad plays, like getting killed and like the offensive lines breaking down and there are these bad plays. And like thinking back on it now, like the negative reinforcement, I get what he was trying to do. And you're trying to fix what's wrong with this, everybody and trying to fix it. But no one goes back and creates a tape and says, hey, let's look at your best plays and really reinforce them. Usually right. you go back and the mindset is let's fix what went wrong. Yeah. I think there absolutely is value in saying let's look at all these great plays and say let's get more of that. Sure. All right, uh, let's keep it moving. For you have to see it, all right, because there's some good stuff out there on the internet you got to take advantage of. It's a thing called Google's really cool too. Uh, so the newest craze, so we're past burning jerseys, right? So there's a new trend out there. Yeah. So you have to see this one. So obviously when you get some player movement, you got Manny Machado, gets traded to the Dodgers. Oh, look at that. Nice <laughs> message. We didn't deserve you I've anyway. seen this before. I don't love this. I think it's cheesy. Yeah, I, I don't. It's I, corny. <laughs> yeah, good word. Like cheesy <laughs> and corny. So Raptors corny. are stupid. <laughs> Throwsin, like. They're so corny. Ah, oh, traded franchise players. There one more message? No, now burn. Oh, there is another message. Right, Fire the coach. Yeah, you did do that. Another one. Nick Nurse. Bring another one. Why not? Toronto oh, loves yeah. you, Demar. You know what they need to do? I mean, I guess if, if, as the alternative, it is better than burning them because that's stupid too. But if you got a flag of the team, let's say, right? Yeah. Like if you got beef with the Orioles or the Raptors, just burn their burn their flag. <laughs> just do that instead yeah, of burning the jersey. Just burn the team's flag, right? So the other day for our "You Have to Hear It" segment, we heard Boogie Cousins like going, "I don't give a you know what," right. talking to everybody. So he actually got to talk uh, at his introductory conference as a warrior. So let's go to "You Have to Hear It" with Boogie as he's introduced. By far, it's Clay. <laughs> For him to be as dull as he is, it's never a dull moment. <laughs> Easy going people, maybe outside of Draymond, but. <laughs> Have you played with anyone like Draymond emotionally, how he is out there? <laughs> no, nah, not even close. <laughs> what do you think that's going to be like with you two together? Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll have some great moments. I love it. I love it. There are going to be some great moments. I can't there wait. are going to be some great moments. There's also going to be some a little bit of headbutting, I yeah. think. But if you're on that team and you're winning so much, I think they're going to be managed. you got to get some cameras in there for that. That's going to be good exactly. stuff. They need to do a little behind the scenes. All right. Well, did you know you can get the best highlights and biggest sports stories right in your inbox every morning with the CBS Sports HQ newsletter? That's right. All you have to do is go to cbssports.com slash HQ daily to subscribe. It's packed with all the good stuff you need to see before you start your day you know where else you can go cbssports.com and that's where we're going to go with read and react with raja all right carmelo anthony traded part of a three-team deal uh he's moving to atlanta but he's expected to be bought out so i think this was done deal i think everybody saw this happening i think it's just a creative way for some cap you know remaneuvering to get this freed up but it seems like he's headed to houston my question to you what is his role with the Houston Rockets, and does it help them in their attempt to knock off the Warriors from their pedestal? Um, I don't know that it helps them 
Uh, it does help them in the absence of Lukamba, Mute, and Trevor Ariza, who both left. Uh, Trevor Ariza went to, to Phoenix. I, I don't know where Lukamba, Mute went, but they were their two wing players, heavy to the Clippers, I guess, Mba, Mute, heavy rotational players. Um, so they have to fill a void on that wing. They both provided some shooting. What, what he can't replace, he can help with the shooting. He can't replace the defense that they both played. They were their best wing defenders. He's not going to help with that. Uh, what he can do that neither one of them could really do is kind of create his own shot a little bit. Um, and it's clear that there's an alpha and a, and a beta already in place. So he's got to come in and kind of accept that role. But there is a role there offensively for him. I just don't know if he can fit what they need uh, defensively. Right. He's such a liability on the defensive yeah. side of the ball. Got to wonder, you know, if that what if he buys into the, any defensive philosophy, because I don't think he does. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, they were one of the best offenses, maybe the best offense in the league last yeah. year, but they were really good defensively. And yeah. that's going to hurt. And they need to lock uh, Clint Capella up to kind of to make sure that they have that defensive presence on the interior. Um, all right. So, look, the Raptors and Kawhi have apparently had talks. Uh, initial reports that was were that Kawhi had no interest in joining Toronto, but recently it's been reported that he's had conversations. He's got no interest in holding out. Um, what say you on the read and react? Hallelujah. Like, yeah. thank goodness. Like, I want to see Kawhi play. I don't like seeing players lose money out of their own pockets, possibly losing $20 million. I want to see him be a part. I actually like the fact that he's in the Eastern Conference. Like, I think this is better for the NBA as opposed to him going to L.A. or somewhere else, the Clippers, for one year. I, let's see what happens. Let's shake it up a little bit and let's bring some more of the strength and the talent to the Eastern Conference. Look, on paper, I like this deal more and more every day I look at it. And you're talking about rolling out Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, um, Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka, and Jonas Valanciunas in the Eastern Conference. I still, I still, you know my thoughts on it. I talked yeah. about it yesterday, but this could be a good look for 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 the the Raptors and and definitely a good look for Kawhi, who just needs to rehab his image just a little bit. I think yeah. um, people just kind of doubt right now whether he really really loves it and he's really invested. Go there, take like. Make me look stupid. Go there and win the Eastern Conference. You don't want to be in Toronto anyway, but now you're back in the in the catbird seat. It's talking about one of the top three players in the NBA. No doubt. Um, all right, they're rivals in the Eastern Conference right now. The Celtics are bringing back Marcus Smart on a four-year, $52 million deal. He's 24 years old. He was the number six pick in the 2014 NBA draft. With all the other contracts that are running out there, like this looks like a bargain. Like It looks good. He's going to be a, a key, uh, one of their key core young players that can get out there. Sure, you know, he's grown up a ton since he played in college. Sure had some issues so I, I, I say good for them good for him he's one of those guys that like he doesn't necessarily move the needle in terms of statistics like right. he's not going to score 30 every night and he's not going to have 12 assists but he's a glue guy like the definition of a glue guy they're always better with him you know on the floor he, he just kind of does all of the little things that other people don't necessarily want to do and he does them well uh so i think that's a that's a big re-signing for the celtics especially when it comes down to winning time um so i i'm going to you know, I, I like the deal, and I'm glad that he took the money, which takes us to our next segment. Yeah. Take it or leave it. <laughs> All right? So, Mike Trout, you kind of teased it earlier. Mike Trout, the question is, should he try harder to promote baseball? Uh, MLB, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred sparked conversation at the All-Star Game. This was his quote. Mike's a great, great player and a really nice person, but he's made certain decisions about what he wants to do and what he – what he doesn't want to do and how he wants to spend his free time and how he doesn't want to spend his free time. That's up to him. If he wants to engage and be more active in that area, I think we could help him make his brand really, really big. But he has to make a decision that, that he's prepared to engage in that area. It takes time and effort. All right? And now listen to Mike Trout's response. I, I keep telling you guys, I, I, I do as much as I can, but uh, you know, it's a long baseball season. So, uh, you know, I got to pick and choose when I want to, you know, do things and you know, go from there. Like I said before, when we can express ourselves, you know, obviously not just playing baseball during the game, uh, you know, the dugout and uh, just anywhere, you know, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. It's good for baseball. 
All right, so Mike Trout to try harder to promote baseball. I am leaving that. Let the dude be who he is. He's obviously, he's a humble guy. He's the best player in baseball. There's no question about it. Let him be. If he wants to promote himself, like if he had the Bryce Harper, you know, attitude of I want to be a superstar, then yes, there's a problem. But he clearly doesn't. He just wants to be a regular guy with this incredible skill set. Leave him alone. Leave him be. Okay, I'll take that. Um, the Lakers would be smart to experiment with LeBron James at small ball center. Obviously, the NBA is trending towards this. The lineup that Golden State rolls out a lot of times at the end of the game has Draymond Green um, you know, at the five. LeBron last year played 37% of his minutes at the power forward, I mean at the small forward, 61% at power forward. So do you think that they should be exploring rolling him out at center? Um, I, he's gonna, he does it all. He plays all the positions. I think anything you can do to try, I think, I think this is, you're trying to knock off the Warriors with this roster, roster. You're not going to do it shooting threes. Like you're not going to do it that way. Right. So try something new. Try it, try it, everything you can. Like throw, basically throw everything in the kitchen sink at them. And that might be one of those methods. So look, do you trust magic at this point? Like what, what like we talked about him having to have a great summer, um, to kind of secure his his place there. What, what, or do you trust the vision? Do you trust the process now? Just landing LeBron and missing on Paul George and Kawhi? Uh, I trust him actually a little bit more. So he, I guess he was on with Jimmy Kimmel and he said this, I'm a competitor, so I'm not scared of Golden State. I'm not worried about Golden State. They don't keep me up at night. I know that we have a solid team. We're a good, tough-minded team. I actually like the fact that he didn't get desperate because the Spurs, I'm sure. sure, were holding him out saying, you know, we're, you're going to have to give us all these young pieces. And, you know, I'm sure the, uh, the Oklahoma City and Paul George was saying, Paul George saying the same thing. You're going to have to back up the truck for me. And they're like, you know what? There's a seeing down the road, having a plan. You have a vision for this. not desperate. Yeah. I think it's smart. So I actually trust him more now than I do a couple years ago. Okay, cool. So LeBron James will eventually own an NBA or NFL team. Take it or leave it. Taking it all day. Because if, if he wants to. Because clearly he's... He's had over a billion dollars in endorsements. He's got the cash. He's got the deep pockets to do it. I hope he does. Like, I would love to see him. The only question, I don't know if he wants to. Like, yeah. is, that, is that a desire of him? Is that a goal of him? Because everything you hear about moving to L.A. was to get involved with Hollywood. Like, he could be the next, um, you know, huge movie mogul if sure. he wants to. He's got those type of pockets. He's a smart guy. But, yeah, I think he absolutely could do it if he wanted to. I think he does. His business partner, Maverick Carter, said he does like football, and he's looked at football ownership. Um, so that's that I, clearly that's something that's on his mind, and I know basketball is. I looked Did at. You the, see the the owner, of the guy that just bought the Carolina Panthers. Do you see what he paid? It what? was cash. Like it was one cash. cash that he put up front. Might yeah. be two point one. I might be flipping those around. Yeah. Whatever it was, but he just backed it up cash. cash. Like I don't know if LeBron's that liquid. It's in his mattress. You could do a Derek Jeter. Like yeah, you with some. Derek Jeter was actually really smart. He didn't have to put up that much of his own money. He had a group, and so. But LeBron absolutely. Can I tell you what LeBron has made? Can I just go over these numbers? They're stats. Yeah, please do. He's made two hundred thirty-seven million during his career. Uh, that's not including the four years one hundred fifty-three million Gonna that he it. just signed. Um, he's got a lifetime deal with Nike that's over a B. Yep. A bill. <laughs> yeah. And then he made $52 million just last year in endorsements. You know what none of this includes? Any of his investments, the Blaze Pizza, Jeez. the Beats by Dre, like that deal with Apple when he got in on that early. Like that doesn't include any of those numbers. LeBron, how can I be down, bro? Let, right. me, get a, <laughs> let me get a spot on the team, Liver, bro. Man. Just give me a little taste. <laughs> All right. Last one. Take it or leave it. Players have a right to be mad about their video game ratings. Apparently, the ratings for 2K slowly been trickling out. LeBron's a 98, Kawhi 94, uh, DeMar's an 89. Uh, their rookies, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, are all 87s. Ben Simmons is beefing, apparently. I don't know what his rating is. Do these guys have a right to be mad? If they're doing it for fun. So, Ben Simmons, obviously, 87 overall rating. Why are you mad? Why are you mad, son? You got an 87. If they're, but right, exactly. That's pretty 
good for a guy who's just coming off a of rookie season. He first played the first time. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, 87 as well. Both these guys were neck and neck for the rookie of the year. So that seems fair to me. Again, if they're doing it all in good fun, then I'm cool with yeah. it. But like, and I'm sure that's what they are. They yeah, can't definitely. really be upset about it. Would no. you remember your rating? Uh, no, but they were bad at times. And there were times where I would be a little, a little perturbed. Yeah. But I would never. Like, what do I look like right. calling EA Sports asking about <laughs> right. my rating, right. bro? Exactly. Get over yourself. Exactly. Do you, I, you remember yours? My rate, I probably seventy nine, maybe at one point. I right. might have crept into the eighties as I as I got better, like with Phoenix and stuff. But right. mine were pretty, like for arm strength. I think it was like eighty two. Yeah. And then like uh, you know accuracy. I think it was like eighty one. And then it was like speed. Yeah, <laughs> like you're like sixty one. But I wasn't gonna argue against. Oh. I'm like, all right, I'll take it. But I should have sent him. My I was a sixty eight and 02. <laughs> but Jesus Christ. They made me earn that rating. <laughs> they made me earn my rating. What was my highest rating? Do you have that? Like, what was my rating in 06, 07? All right, we'll get that coming back. So we got some intel Boo. on your uh, rating? Bro, my high 06, I was an 80. Strong? Let's put it in perspective. Not that I was like, let's, all right. <laughs> all right, Kobe, talk about disgruntled. Kobe, you sound disgruntled. I'm a little disgruntled at an 80, <laughs> but no, nah, I'll take it. 99 Kobe, 97 Wade, 96 Allen Iverson. So I was in line with like Brent Berry. I was right above Jalen Rose. And I was right below, apparently, Michael Finley, who at the time had to be 49 and a half years old. All right, then you got beef with that one. I got beef with my 80, bro. But I'll take it. I mean, you know, I take what I can get at this point. All right, you teased it out coming in here. We're getting really close uh, to football, both college football and the NFL. The Ravens actually reported uh, Wednesday, uh, so they're getting closer. They yeah. have a very unique situation because they drafted Lamar Jackson, 32nd uh, pick in the first round. They've got Joe Flacco, who has – I looked at his stats the other day and just kind of looked at his career, how it's played out. He has been so up and down. And it's either been like when he had the Super Bowl run where he won the Super Bowl and he had better numbers than Joe Montana in the playoffs. You're like, paper. This guy, yeah, and then he got yeah. – he bet on himself, got paid the $100 million-plus deal. You're like, all right, this guy is set up to be – and he's been the butt of every joke about being an elite quarterback. Right. And then he follows it up the next season after he gets paid with his worst season of all time. Then the following season – he like comes back and he throws for 4,000 yards and looks good. Then he gets hurt. Then he comes back, plays okay. Then he gets hurt again. Like He has been so up and down and so inconsistent, basically, is a thing, that everybody and their brother is assuming Lamar Jackson is the future. So for me, when you look at like the uh, mentor relationships, like when you have older players looking out for younger players, I think it can really have an influence on a guy like Lamar Jackson. Like if it is a good, healthy relationship in that room, I think it could really benefit Lamar Jackson. If it's not, I think it could be to his detriment as well. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, you're, specifically, I think what you're what you're saying is like Lamar has he's he needs to grow. Yeah, like he's not a finished product in terms of coming in. Like Josh Rosen, to some degree, like his skill set is kind of. You know, it's it's where it needs to be. This was a project to begin with. Lamar, right. upside off the chart, like potential, but but he needs to grow. And so, you know, it's it's like a plant, bro. You right. gotta put it in some fertile soil, you gotta nurture it, like you gotta water it. And if you have a guy, you know, on top of you in terms of like on the depth chart that doesn't wanna see you succeed, uh, that can be a really, really tough thing. Right. I was lucky as a pro that when I came in, I guess I was non threatening to a lot of people. Um and so they took care of me. Like Aaron McKee when I was in Philly and Allen Iverson were really, really good. Like just spent time with me, you know, talked to me, um, op opened up about, about experiences with me. And then I moved to Dallas and I had, you know, Michael Finley and Nick Van Exel who were probably even better than the two that I just mentioned. And so that continued to help me grow and feel comfortable in the mistakes that I made um, and, and, and knowing that people had my back. And so... You know, it's it's very important to a young player because if those guys turn on you or they're threatened by you, and they don't want to give you the time of the day. Um, first of all, you, you just left your school 
probably don't have a lot of people out there with you in some of those instances. It can be very lonely. Uh, and then you're second guessing yourself because you're not having the same success that you're, that you're used to experiencing everywhere else. So now you couple that loneliness with, with, man, maybe I'm not good enough. And it could be a really, really tough long year if you don't have that in place. So I think Flacco, obviously, he said, because there was a little bit of controversy because he didn't reach out to him. I don't think that was a big deal. Right. But he said he would open open with open arms. He said he would welcome him. I think the bigger, more important relationship is Robert Griffin III. He's going to probably be the third quarterback. He's I don't even know if he'll make the team. Right. But I think the relationship they can develop now and through training camp, because Robert Griffin III has seen the highs and the lows. He can and so is Flacco, but and it's you know, it's not because they're both black or because they both, you know, are more athletic quarterbacks. It's more about how to be a pro like it's not to, to me it's the relationship the mentor stuff it's not even about the x's and then the o's it's about how to be a professional sure. how you it's about your life absolutely like what do you do and i you're probably going to give me a hard time about this one but like when you go out with a date with an adult film star like this one where what are your other quarterbacks like say hey i want to keep that on the down low but all those types of things and the coach relationship like flacco and rg3 can help him like with certain coaches on that sure. staff to be like you know what that guy's just a hard at like he just likes to ride guys don't worry about him or you know just those little tiny dynamics and you're talking about it is like in training camp, you basically live with everybody on the team. You right. eat together, you you know, you know study film together. Those moments, those meetings are when Lamar Jackson should be like a sponge. He should be asking questions, saying, hey, what do I do if this happens? Some of it's X's and O's, but a lot of it is when to study extra. Like when do yeah. I throw extra? When do I lift? Like how do I take care of my body? All those types of things are the invaluable um, knowledge that Lamar Jackson needs if he wants to live out a career sure. where he's a successful franchise quarterback. Sure, I agree with you 100%. And I do think, though, that, that Robert Griffin III, because he is very much like Lamar Jackson in terms of, like, they'll both get up and run, yeah. I think I think that that can help him as well. Like, I wouldn't say that that's his only value to Lamar, but I think, you know, he's been injured a lot. Like, he came in thinking that style was going to translate. It didn't. So I think even those experiences will help Lamar. And, I, you know, I didn't touch on it, and you just kind of said it. You have to be a rook that's willing yes. to learn. Like some rooks come in and 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 just have this chip on their shoulder. I've seen them. They got this air. I don't want to do none of my rookie duties. Like I'm I'm nice. Like I was a first round draft pick. Like you can't teach me nothing. I'm here to take your position. That'll turn a vet off in a heartbeat. Like I had some really good rooks as I got older. Like Gordon Hayward was one of my rooks. I love Gordon. I knew it was Gordon's team. Like I knew I was just there in Utah, like playing out the last few years of my career holding the spot until until Gordon got ready, you know what I mean? But Gordon was a great dude, man. Like, And I enjoyed spending time with those guys. So it's a lot of it is on your rook or on the rook to come in, you know, have some humility about yourself and establish the relationship. Let the vet know that like, look, I want to learn from you. Like I, I understand yes. that you're that dude and you have stuff that I need. So this is a relationship that I want as much as you want to give it to me. You see it happen from a mile away. So my last year in Denver, Maurice Claret, who was running back for Ohio State, phenomenal, wins yeah. the national championship as a freshman. Then he, he has this explosive year, and then he has to challenge NCAA. He wants to come out early, so he eventually gets drafted in the third round, which I think was much lower than he thought. Right. So he comes in with an attitude, and you could see it from the minute he stepped on the field. He was kind of like, man, I'm not getting what I deserve. Like I, I, sh I should have been a first-round pick. Right. I'm getting screwed. And then he starts off, like every rookie does, about fourth on the depth chart. And you could tell just when you watched him – that he just wasn't feeling it. And so the coaches, they're going to challenge you. They sure. want to break you down a little bit and make you humble. So they were riding him, and he clashed with the Denver Broncos coaching staff the whole entire camp. 
So we're getting, the last time I got cut, we both made it to the last cuts and we're sitting there and we all got the call from the coach. Hey, bring your playbook to, to see Coach Shanahan. Right. And you know what that means. So we're sitting there and we're in this room. There's like three or four guys sitting in like in the outside Coach Shanahan's office. And it's kind of like quiet because it's like Yeah, sure, bro. Funeral, You're just, right. right? So Maurice Claret, great. Like he's turned his life around, but at this time he was a punk. Like all time, like he was at the height of his punk. Yeah, he's robbing people back so then. we're sitting there right. in this hallway. It's quiet. He's on his cell phone. He's talking to his agent and his people, and he's like, man, I'm about to get cut up in here. These people don't know what they're losing. Like, I can't believe this bolt. Like, he's, yeah. he's going off. Yeah. Like, and everybody's, I'm like, what is he doing? Like, because all these coaches talk. Sure. And he basically burned a lot of bridges, and it really never, his career never reached its fulfillment because he learned too late, like, how to be a pro. How to be a pro. I, I, I know we're off the rails with this, but I would, like, this is my, like, kind of favorite part of doing this when we get into yes. it. I go around to a lot of camps. I was one at a few weeks ago, and I tell my story to young young basketball players. And the biggest part of my story is about failing and then figuring out how to respond and act when you fail. And so I tell about when I got cut by San Antonio. It was the very same thing. It was the day before like the regular season started. Yeah. Uh, I had found a place to live. I had bought a car. Like I, I, I had guaranteed money, but like I was my first time I was going to be able to make a team, and they, they cut me. And I talk about going in there and being a good guy, a good pro, and, and telling Coach Popovich thank you and – and being appreciative and, and going to the whole staff and thanking everybody. And and what happened to me, and I, I didn't know it at the time, was I got signed to the Sixers because Greg Popovich and Larry Brown were really, really good friends. And Greg Popovich had nothing but great stuff to talk about me. Yeah. And I, I, it's a lesson for kids. Like, look, you learn how to be a good pro. You learn how to respect people. You learn how to go in there and do your job. Like, you never know who's going to speak up on your behalf somewhere down the line. To the point, Maurice Claret probably never got another call from anybody else because he's acting like a jackass when he right. gets cut. And everybody calls them. Everybody's going to call them because they talk. They, all these coaches talk. It's the same in business, same in life. Like yeah. you have to treat people right. Be careful with what you are. And if, a lot of times, a positive, I, I preach to my kids all the time, like positive attitude, positive energy. Sure. Like, be a worker. Like all these types of things, they do matter and they can translate. Uh, you know who's maybe can learn something? They listen to us. Not that he's a bad dude, but Mitch Trubisky. Uh, he is just coming <laughs> off a rookie season. Right, sure. Bears. Uh, so his head coach gets fired. They bring in Matt Nagy, who was the offensive coordinator with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. And I'm a little bit worried for both of them. Matt Nagy was my teammate on the New York Dragons. He was another really? like in the Arena Football League. So All I right. knew him pretty well. I got to catch up with him a couple months ago uh, on the radio. We got yeah. to interview him. He's a good dude. Really good with quarterbacks. He'll be able to relate to Mitch Trubisky. But I'm sensing a trend. I'm, a trend. I'm actually going to talk about this on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, so you can go check it out on demand if you go check it out online. Uh, he's getting – there's a lot of comparisons both these guys are getting to the leap – that Jared Goff took from year one to year two, because statistically they were really close. I think uh, Mitch Trubisky's stats were actually a little bit better. He had more touchdowns. I think Goff had four touchdowns, seven picks. Trubisky had seven touchdowns and, and seven picks in his first year. So, you know, almost you know, 59% completion. Those are pretty decent numbers for a rookie. But there's this. They looked at the Rams and how they exploded with Sean McVay, similar young coach, quarterback guru, yeah. offensive mind, and not that success. And there's all all the expectations are being put on Trubisky and Matt Nagy. I am concerned for them for a number of reasons. Most importantly, it's so much about the talent that's around you. And I don't see Todd Gurley on that roster. Yeah. <laughs> that matter. Like Todd Gurley had an MVP type season last year. Right. 
And that can take such a load off of an offense, off of a quarterback. When you have that luxury of handing it off and getting a guaranteed four or five yards, almost seemingly, sure. every time, it takes the pressure off you in so many ways. Do you put any stock in the weaponry that they, they kind of put around him? They you know, no, added so Allen Robinson, my, Taylor Gabriel, and so Trey Allen Burton. Robinson's coming off an ACL with right. Jacksonville. We, you know, we guess we had him sure. on the pod. He's a great dude. Yeah. Uh, Kevin White, their other wide receiver, has been plagued with injuries his entire career. But you know, like they in the running back situations, just different. Jordan Howard's okay. Like they have some pieces, but it doesn't look as close as you've got in. But like no, to 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 defense, like Cooper Cup, nobody saw that guy coming out of nowhere. Sure. Like for a uh, receiver, little dude coming out, like nobody saw that happen. So maybe there's a breakout player or two for the Chicago Bears. But as it sits now, I would just say let's hold off on those comparisons. Temporary expectations we see it a little happen, bit. Yeah. Uh, for the Bears to play out. So like and that's. That's the worst thing that that I see happen. Oh, look at that rookie to sophomore season for me. Look at that thirty-eight completion rating. My, look at that thirteen percent. Look at that. That's dope. <laughs> it. The only thing I came in and did my rookie year was like if we were trailing by thirty, we were getting blown out. They'd be like, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go get them, go get them, rookie. Sling it around. <laughs> Trying to come back. That or hail marys that we were going out there, but the massive jump in touchdowns. Look at that, eleven touchdowns, nine interceptions. You were slinging it, bro. Yeah. So, all right, let's do some uh, socially relevant. Okay. Because our boy Shaq is is getting into it again so he goes to facebook <laughs> this is pretty good somebody burned him pretty good he needs help naming his new yacht don't you oh. had those problems oh d's what yeah what like should that? i name her do you see the comment right underneath it? Call, <laughs> call it free throw <laughs> so you won't ever sink it that is an outstanding burn like that is fantastic those sandals are awful <laughs> They're off. Where do you find those in 22 D's? I want to know where that might be here, either Fort Lauderdale or Miami. I'm trying to. Oh, no, yeah. You see the causeway? You see the causeway? Yeah, that might top? be 17th Street Causeway. Yeah. Maybe. Or it's down in Miami. One or the other. We need to get a ride. Yeah, seriously. Shaq. I'm, I'm going to text Shaq later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is Friday. So as we do every Friday, we do a little five star QA. If you don't know what it is, go to iTunes, subscribe, download the podcast, and then leave us a five star review. And in the comment section, ask yeah. us a question, ask us anything you want. The more off the rails it is, usually the better it is. And I think we got some good ones today. Debo, what do you got for us? We mentioned the disrespect. I, I can't imagine anything more disrespectful to Raja. We'll get to me in a second. But who would win in a game of two versus two basketball? You and Raja, Danny and Raja, or Ryan Rosillo and Will Kane? We shouldn't even address this. I mean, we, there should be some kind of handicap. Like, if we played to 11, I think we would have to give them, like, an 8-0. Minus 11. Yeah. Who, Will, who's Will Kane? <laughs> he's, he's on the ESPN radio now, and they yeah. do a show together. Oh. Uh, and Kane. A, is he the dude that's sometimes on with, like, is yes, he arguing and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, you can give them 10 points, bro. <laughs> right, 10, 10 points. There it is. It's laid down. The gauntlet 10 points, Dr. L. Iniguez. Rosillo likes to fancy himself a basketball like a hoopster. Rosillo. You, hey, listen, bro. I'm laying it down right now one-on-one -on -one, me and ryan rosillo yeah. i give ten? you 10 dog i give right. you 10 in the ball and Damn. i'm beating you 11 10 thrown down right there i love it <laughs> all right danny before the break you, you tease something and this isn't going to be in the podcast we don't include these these tosses to break on the podcast but you called cheese steaks are you sure cheese cakes are you sure we'll have to revisit the tape i'll edit <laughs> right, it in we'll here but <laughs> We get the best cheesecakes in Philly from Debo. Best cheesecake. Best cheesecakes. This guy, Walter the Min Pin, asks, do you guys have pets? And then at the complete other end of the spectrum, switches it up and says, Debo, what's better, Pats or Geno's? Those are cheesesteak 
spots in Phillies. Both are great. I'm going to say neither and say Jim's. Raja? Oh, oh, Jim. oh, I haven't heard that one. Everybody always goes oh. with the Pats or Jim. I want to. Can I weigh in on the cheesesteaks? Yeah, I want to hear what yeah, you got. I'm Ishka Bibbles on South Street. Oh, really? Yeah. That's the spot? Yeah, Ishka that's my Bibbles? spot. Ishka Bibbles, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know about that one. Do uh -huh. you have a pet? Uh, yeah, we have a pet. Um, have Nike. He's a dog. He's like a... Oh, <laughs> look at your yeah, so loyal Nike. to the brand. <laughs> yeah, I know. My kids named him. Um, He's like a cockapoo or something like that. I so don't you're know. You're loyal to brands. I'm loyal to people. I yeah. got Bowden, a little gold retriever. He's a year old. We named him Bobby uh, after Bobby Bowden. That's cool. Bowden. All right, this next one from Teacher Who Gets Buckets. Um, and I don't normally include the prelude to their question, but I like this one. So, loved listening to DK always. Didn't think I would like Bell as much as I do, being a huge Kobe fan. But I love the knowledge he brings to the show. So, that's great. Appreciate Thanks, that. teacher who gets buckets. His first question, I just went to the Celeb Golf Tournament in Tahoe. Have you ever played that tournament? And then part two, planning a bachelor party. This part much more interesting. Planning a bachelor party soon and looking for ideas. What did you guys do for your bachelor parties? So first off, the Tahoe tournament, I, I got to play it three years in a row back when I was on the Giants. It is the most fun. Like I, it I looks still, fun. I still get a little bit jealous. Like I'm like, man. How do you get an invite? I don't know. It is super exclusive yeah. club. Like yeah. I think at one time I was a celebrity, not so yeah. much anymore. Like I'm trying to get back. We need to do something. I got to get go your back. Q rating we up, bro. go back and take the podcast out there and do it. We could have great interviews. So wait, do it maybe, like from the 18th. Maybe range. that's our sell, though, dude. Absolutely. Like let us play. Yeah. And then we'll just, we'll like host and pod and like. Let's they do don't it. probably need that though. That's <laughs> they what have I, pretty good exposure. Uh, to the other one, planning the bachelor party. Did you did you do a big bachelor party? Was it low key? What'd you do? Uh, we went to Vegas for my bachelor party. So did I? Um, did you go nuts? We went bananas. <laughs> like we were like funneling by the pool and like out until like we were. Um, but my 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 sister in law had a party in Vegas too. So it wasn't like So like the girls bachelorette party was No, there my well? wife wasn't there, oh, okay. but my sister-in-law just happened to be in Vegas on on a trip. So right. like, you know, there were some rains, like we couldn't go completely off the walls and like I, I partied with her a little bit, like right. you know what I mean? Like right. we had a good time. Um but we partied hard, dude. We were at like the after like Dre's and all that stuff. We gambled. Like we had, it was so a good to time. So put mine in perspective cuz I think anytime anybody says you go to Vegas, like they're thinking, "Oh, it must have been nuts." Yeah. So I had my brother-in-laws, I had three brother-in-laws. They all went. My dad went. Uh, outside, like Jake Plummer was there. We yeah. had some of my boys. So we had like nine or 10 of us. One of my brother-in-law is a pastor. So yeah, it's like, like, it was kind of yeah. like we were a little bit in check somewhat. Right. You weren't we like a spearmint rhino like you guys were. <laughs> no, we kept it relatively clean when you envisioned bad. It wasn't like the movie. Yeah, all. you guys play some golf? Yeah, a lot all of right. golf, you guys a lot were... of gambling, like a lot of yeah, good stuff. Yeah, we, did, go. we did, We uh, did. Well, I think it was rain at the time was pretty good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah sure. we did the nightclub one night. Nightclub. So we have to add Tahoe and Vegas to the laundry list of podcast destinations that we have to uh, yeah. podcast from. I'm this really next one from NC Buckeye 15. Raja, who is more important for an NBA team and their success? And give some options. Owner, coach, GM, or single superstar? That's a good question. You think it is? I think it's easy. You think it's the superstar? Yes. Yeah, but always the player. But if you only have one superstar, I don't know in today's NBA that that's going to make you a successful team. That's going to have you like there are plenty of superstars that play on teams without other superstars and they're bad. So for that reason, and I had to think about it. Good question. I'm going to say the GM uh, because they bring in the talent. They're the ones that can swing the deals to get you multiple superstars. Then when we're talking about two superstars, now they're the most important people there. But when you got one. Uh, I don't know that that's enough in today's NBA, so I'm gonna go GM. How much do, how much stuff do you put on the owner at all? I would say it matters the the least. The least, but you need it like 
bad owners are tough to work with. You can't get good GMs. You can't keep good people in place. And so, like, you might experience some success, but it's going to be fleeting. So, like, good owners are important too, but they don't have a lot to do with the day-to-day. All right, that's a wrap for us, right, Debo? All right, that's a wrap. It's been fun five days a week. Remember, go to iTunes. Yeah. Follow, subscribe. We're on every single day. We'll be on video before long. We'll get there. I know what Raja's doing as soon as we're done. We're going to sit in front of the tube. Yeah, I'm going Tiger. to watch Tiger right now. Yes. A little update. If we can get his score, he is still even for the day. No, I'm not He's going doing all right. Come on, bro. Uh, no, I don't want to watch that. I'm on the back nine. Okay. All he's right. going to get it going. So we'll be rooting for Tiger all weekend. Thanks for checking us out. We'll be back Monday with another uh, full five days. Yep. I hope you come back and join us. Uh, as always, go check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell.